Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the overlap. We, oh, actually, Rian, one thing I forgot about, I forget if it was our last episode or the episode before that, we didn't mark 150 episodes. I forgot to say congratulations. I said it early and then I forgot the actual one. Now I'm saying it late. So congratulations. You have decided that you can put up with me for that long. And I've simultaneously decided that that's also something I can do. So like, yeah, likewise, I, I think we might have, each of us noted it probably when we um when the one one fifty came out um yeah we didn't note it in, on the episode itself but um again thank you to everyone who's kept listening and uh, who find time in their day to listen to us and and find it um if not if not like relaxing then at least a uh, good white noise. You know, yeah, <laughs> if, if you're not learning anything, not learning anything, or or finding this much, this much stuff interesting, in the least, I hope that it's uh, getting you through the day in terms of just a distraction. You really, I love you. You started this episode like it was uh, an episode of the Daily, like Michael <laughs> Barbaro's like soft voice asking someone a very light question that is it's too easy to respond to, but. I, of course, completely kid. Um, for those who don't know, Riyadh's been an incredible podcast host. So I have a lot to, to thank him for. And uh, that's where my sappiness ends because Riyadh hates happiness. So anyway, um, <laughs> Riyadh, we haven't recorded in a week, a week and a half. Because yeah. like yeah, international break. Yeah, international break. Uh, I had COVID the last couple of days. Rian got injured. Basically, we've just been down bad for the last week and uh, had very, very little way of recovering. So this is our way of coming back into the world and saying hello, I, th- I think. Yeah, Elise had troubles with his immune system and I had trouble <laughs> with, with, with your, mo- your motor with functions, like exterior, I guess. Yeah, like my bones. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rian is, is OK for those obviously very concerned, um, sending him well wishes. Uh, he did not break tear or injure uh, anything structurally but uh he he currently has crutches for is it is it fair to call it an old man injury like is that is that fair no i don't no? think so i mean people <laughs> at work were like we're we're saying oh welcome to getting old i was like i mean it was like i it was it was as if someone if someone like hit me in the leg with a hammer you couldn't blame that on me just getting old <laughs> like that just, yeah, yeah it's just an impact that hurts which is exactly what happened like, like that is that is exactly what happened in this in this exact instance yeah i, I did <laughs> that's not story get I'm running hit with. with the hammer for anyone <laughs> out there I was, that's not what happened i was playing soccer and it just collided with someone else's leg but uh no i like my version better but sure we'll roll with yours um but no rian's not getting older uh i mean he is now a year older as of a month and a half ago but not even a month ago um but yeah we have a lot to talk about anyway um some of it related to the u.s men's national team of course a lot of it also related to general international news the world cup qualifiers are basically wrapped up with the exception of the playoffs coming up in june and a couple of pretty notable absences that we have to talk about. Shock upsets, qualification, and yeah, qualifications for sure. And we'll talk a little bit about the largest women's soccer game to ever be played. 
which I'm really excited to talk about. So, Riyadh, let's start with the U.S. men's national team. Let's start with a moment that's been 3,100-plus days. I forget the exact math, but uh, over 3,000 days in the making since the U.S. men's national team last qualified for a World Cup, of course, that one being in 2014. How do you feel? How do you feel now that we are officially qualified to go um, keep the Zach Stefan slander to a minimum, please? We are focusing on the broader picture. <laughs> um that is all i ask yeah well i'll, I'll keep the the minutia to to uh a pretty limited part of this discussion for right now overall i feel great like it's 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 great i i think that for me i at least i think i was with you the night that that we did not qualify that that we lost in cuba to trinidad and tobago I can remember it pretty vividly. Like we were in, I want to, I think we were in your dorm room freshman mm-hmm. year. Um, it was like four or five of us huddled around a computer. I think it was a computer. A laptop, it was a computer. Laptop, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Watching that game. And, uh, and I think we like went out and drank immediately afterwards. Cause I think it was like, a, I want to say it was like a Friday night or something like that. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember how dejected that felt afterwards, and then having the whole, um, however, I don't even remember however many months. I, I don't remember when World Cup qualifying ended last time. I, I it, it, it ended, ended in, the fall, in January. Right? Or or, no, no, I think it was January. Yeah, which was like the last possible time because obviously it was in summer then. But it, yeah, that was not a pleasant day. Um, and to think of just how far the team has come, this is basically a brand new team, right? Like completely from, like eight years is a lot of time. So it, it very much is a team that would have been unrecognizable eight years ago. And in a lot of ways, I feel like is way more exciting, right? Like even four years ago, to, right? Oh, even four years ago. Very true. Very true. If you think about the gold cup, right. Um, against Mexico where they lost in the final, I think about that game and that to me was like almost as sad as not going to the world cup, not because of what it meant, because obviously it meant something completely different, but just because like you could see the progression in, in that team basically for the year prior. And then I feel like we went into a slump and then you had, um, Oh my God, I almost said Julian Nagelsman. What's his face? <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann. Thank you, Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> I'm getting my Germans mixed up. Um, and then obviously Jurgen Klinsmann leaving, et cetera. Um, so it brings us to this moment over the last four years, Rian. The team has added almost an entire starting 11 that plays in Europe, uh, a bench that is riddled with either European players or top MLS players or MLS prospects. What does this say about how far the team has come? And then I want to talk about like, what are you, what do you actually think is going to happen at the world cup? Because we're also recording this before the, the world cup draws uh, or the, the pot draws tomorrow. So we won't know who the U S currently don't know who the U S team um, is playing. Yeah, just to I guess to talk about the progress, for sure, the huge progress that that's happened in the, in the team, and I want to really kind of isolate it to the progress that has happened within the team, within the the, the players and the roster, the pool of players that are now available. Um, 
because totally separate from what has happened in the federation that's like that's another conversation like that don't feel like that's changed that much in the four in these four years realistically but i mean even personnel have not changed as much yes yeah so yeah outside of the coach whose brother was the (laughs) (laughs) okay um um, the players specifically specifically the players and the people who i'm most happy for with the qualification is the players like you're talking about three players i think that were part of that um 2017 uh, 2018 qualification run um in deandre yedlin kristen pulisic and i believe parl Ariola was also part of the squad those are only three guys that are that have made it into this next generation of of um u.s men's national team players and making it to the 2022 world cup so those three hats off to that they get like this is a redemption for for them especially for um yedlin and, and pulisic who were pretty big contributors on those on those teams i, I mean especially pulisic at the age of 18 yeah. um it's great it's crazy to think that that was four years ago and he was 18 yeah yeah uh, and we have that iconic image of him crying after after that loss to um trinidad to trinidad so redemption for for all of them and um you know redemption for i'm sure a lot of the the coaching staff as well too for the for the ones that were held over from um the the last time so awesome like fantastic that 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 we made it this far and it is kind of unprecedented to see a team be overhauled so much in in four years uh and that's like exactly what happened like what's happened with one the, the recruitment of the dual nationals has been a huge part of the success here and that's where you, I think you do have to give some some good credit to Burhalter and um I believe it's uh, Brian McBride and Ernie Stewart who are kind of like the sporting more or less the sporting directors of of the federation you know, they've done a great job at building a culture that players want to play in and like specifically players who are not fully American want to play in and want to be part of and um, created a really good environment where the players like by all accounts, they really enjoy playing with each other and they, they enjoy playing even under this coaching staff, right. For the most part. Um, And that's, that's a huge accomplishment. And that's not something that we could have remotely said um, four or five years ago. Right, especially yeah, with with the, obviously the loss of of not going to the World Cup, and then all the background stuff that's been going on with the federation and the women's national team. Like, it, there's so much there that could make this a very toxic environment. Um, and maybe it is in the in in Chicago, where like the headquarters of federation. <laughs> right, right, but, but se- at least, separate, separate. But at that. least with the players, it's not, and and that's. And that's great to see. And and this is a really fun team to root for, like more than anything else. It's a really, really fun team to root for. And there's so much hope there. Like They're all so young. They're going to be more likely than not, they'll probably be the youngest squad at the World Cup this, <laughs> this fall. Um, 
it's it's hard not to I think fall in love with like these players and and I hope that Fox and all the other sports media outlets I hope that they really push the stories for a lot of these players too over the next um seven seven eight months so just 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 keeping it there keeping it that high level it's it's great it's 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 a really awesome story for these players and I'm really happy that these are the guys that are going to be able to um represent the country and and um and hopefully like learn a lot too as well in in the next eight months definitely definitely well the one thing that I, I think I took away for the last over the last four years is that there is no shortage of talent coming into the team and that is completely undeniable and it, I think it goes back to what you were saying about a culture a strong footballing culture being built within the side and within the country right this idea that players can go abroad who are American and play for big European clubs obviously a big part of that started years ago with Clint Dempsey right and, and in some ways picked up by Christian Pulisic to a larger extent now but I think the the larger idea that the United States is becoming more of a footballing nation is is growing and Serginio Jess being like the latest example of a potential non-American like American player right or, or someone who had a choice um, between choosing between the Netherlands and here and ultimately choosing the United States, that's a, that's a big decision. That means a lot. And that's, that's extremely impactful. I think it speaks to the level of talent that the team has. It also speaks to, in some ways, the, the monetary commitment <laughs> that uh, the Federation has made to actually pushing this team towards future success. And in some ways I'm like cautiously optimistic about how, um, you know, how the actual world cup itself will go, because I was doing, I was doing some reading on this Rian. And if you look at the um, potential, I think world cup teams that the the U S could get in the draw, it it could be as bad as like Argentina, Senegal, and I forget who else, or, or it could be very favorable. Um, There's, there's really no in between. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's it's gonna be nervy tomorrow. Um, but but one one more thing before we get into like the um, how how we think the team might perform. Another thing that's I think has changed a lot in the last five years. But if you want to go back, go back even to since twenty fourteen. Um, yeah. The push by MLS to make sure that every single team now has academies going all the way down to. I think the I think the union have like a U seven team or something like that. Like going down to those ages. I mean, we know that there's like this. It, the US is a massive country. Really easy for people to fall through the through the gaps and um, very hard to identify some a, a player in every single state and and even harder for a lot of people to go and play soccer because you know we're becoming more of a, of a footballing nation, but we're not we're not remotely close to any to almost anywhere else right in terms of popularity um relative to other sports definitely um the accessibility for player for kids to play in high level youth soccer um is much better and a much better place than it was 
any time in the history of soccer in the in football in in, in um, America, and that's a lot of credit has to go towards the MLS. Like, he, I mean, Brendan Aronson, great example there. Someone who came yeah. through the I mean, entire ranks of too. MLS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, easy one for me to call out, but <laughs> but but a, a player that came from the youth system of the Philadelphia Union played for their uh youth teams their reserve their uh, yeah re- youth reserve slash reserve team uh made it into the first team played really well in MLS and got his move to um a, a club in Europe uh a Champions League club by the way and and has done very well and is now on track to make a move to an even more uh, high-profile club probably this summer like that players like that or even players that don't necessarily make the move like looking at guys like Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson who who um unsure if they'll ever make the move but My, I another mean, Miles couple Robinson players Miles Robinson more poten- likely than not yeah potentially made himself an argument for being the best left back in CONCACAF and that includes Alfonso Davies I mean I, I don't think that's good, uh, yeah, I think Anthony it, Robinson Excuse me. Thank you. God, yeah. I'm getting getting the mix. But that's another it, dual yeah, national, it's been a weird though. Another dual national, right? Yeah. Another player yeah, yeah. that had, that was convinced that has to be convinced. Um, but just like looking at the, the youth development in the country has has just gotten a lot better, and there there's just a wider pool of players who've been playing high level soccer for a lot of their lives now, and and um, it's very easy to to cloud on MLS, of course, like, but they've done a great job with just developing uh, or furthering development of players. It's, it's not perfect, but it's getting, it's gotten a lot better than, than it was when we were in like high school in the lease. Right. So um, that, that's kind of the last, the last point there in the big picture. Look at all this, but definitely um, not, not, nothing, but, but good things. Nothing but good things from Rian. This is, this is a bizarre episode where there's, Nothing we're talking about the to... big picture of it all. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing. There's nothing other than to be happy right now. Truly, yeah. like there, there really isn't. There's going to be hundreds of days to analyze how the team will do between now or, or during the World Cup. But I think, I think it's hard for us to make any sort of like real prediction or assessment until November because injuries might play a part. Like yeah. you never know, right? I think the general sense though is that you would expect the the team to play for at least four games at the world cup. I think that, yeah. that should be, that should be a goal. That should be, that a should goal. be a goal. Agreed. Agreed. Um, agreed. That, I feel well, like that's, so, I mean, we'll see if that's reality. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually genuinely very curious to see how the team performs against the likes of, you know, potentially like in, in Ecuador or, mm. um, you know, even Qatar again, which they, I believe they played, last year in the gold right? cup yeah in the gold cup um like all teams that they could come up against i don't know if i want to see them come up against uh a germany belgium or an argentina um <laughs> I- i'll leave that to my nightmares but like for now <laughs> four games i think is is a fair enough reasonable goal but we'll I, analyze it closer to the November. yeah i mean i i think i think yeah i i, I think there's uh <laughs> that's probably like my 
dream that that that's like the I feel like that's the ceiling more than anything else. Um, yeah, and and look, this this could change. My like our opinions could change very easily. Obviously, talking about injuries, but also seven months of development for players who are all under twenty three, under twenty four. <laughs> like it, it, it's it could be anything. Like like um. There were times of the season where we thought pool six stagnated and and kind of did, but part of that was because of injuries. But then you look at a guy like Weston McKetty who really raised his ceiling over the last like seven months. So who who knows who knows what development looks like for a lot of these players um, in the next seven months? It's almost never linear. Not everyone's going to grow at the same rate, so we'll see. Um, but I think there's a lot of reasons to think that overall level of is going to rise in the next seven months just because they're they're going to get more experience and they're um on average they're going to become better players so i think there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful um now just for my i have to get the nitpicks in here before before <laughs> okay, briefly before briefly. we talk about everyone else um going to the world cup um ellie's ellie's kind of um lambasted me for my tweet last night where I was kind of <laughs> where I gave basically a backhanded compliment to qualifying last night um and I'm gonna start off by saying in my mind we qualified on Sunday when there was like when, yeah, it, when there was yeah. like a less than one percent chance that we would lose six nil to Costa Rica now Zach Steffen tried his hardest to get us close there <laughs> he, he tried his hardest on wednesday um that's that's the biggest the the two biggest nitpicks that i have of the team um only one of them really is is individual it, and it's stefan it's just i i've seen enough like i think we've all seen enough I, I don't think that he should be the number one um i are you turning to matt turner yeah yeah, and, and yeah. I think Turner's been better all in this entire World Cup cycle. Like they've played roughly half of the games each. I think um, Turner's played six, and uh, Stefan's played eight. I want to say it might be flip flop, but um, the, the numbers on Stefan, even small sample size, are not good. Like the, his his goals to expect a goal on target um, is was one of the worst in the qualifying cycle of all goalkeepers that participated in CONCACAF. So it, that plus what we saw on Wednesday where he's just a total liability on anything that's on any cross, on any ball that goes into the box, he punches when he should catch, he catches when he should, he tries to catch when he should punch. It, it, and then it's positioning is almost never good enough too. It's, it's, it's very difficult because the reason that he apparently the reason that he's playing is because he's plays for Man City and he's good with quote unquote good with his feet and yet we don't really see yeah any we of don't that. see that yeah so I'm um I, look, Turner was injured for these games so who knows maybe he would have started um one or two of these games if he was healthy but that's from the player side that's my biggest nitpick there at least the you have any comments on that no i don't i'm not gonna say anything that's different from what you just said other than i i do partially think that stefan might actually still be the number one 
come the World Cup. I don't know why I have this nagging feeling that I, the last. I, I agree with you. I think the coach, like I think Berhalter likes him. So yeah, yeah, and I have a feeling that the last two games, especially, were largely maybe some short-term bias um, or recency bias, I should say. Um, that's the only thing that I might might add. But other than that, yeah, I I have not seen that from Stefan in the last couple. I mean, I'll call it four games maybe, um, especially. There was a moment in the Costa Rica game where he jumped to catch a ball, spilled it, and almost conceded, but made a miraculous save in the process. To oh stop yeah, a goal. Gets, on Sunday, and right? On on Sunday, okay. yes, not Wednesday. So, and and that to me is like the personification of Zach. Stafford. Yeah, yeah. That you just don't feel you don't feel comfortable. You don't feel like secure at all with him there. So, um we'll we'll see what happens we'll see what happens between now and then like again there could be a third keeper that emerges out of nowhere between now and then too that that's always a possibility but definitely um that's that's just the player side and then just systematically i i do still have a lot of a lot of issues with what we do in possession <laughs> and um specifically where our midfielders stand when we have the ball um another game where we dominated possession but outside of like a few moments where we actually got the ball forward um organically and, and Kalen obviously made a, a few amazing saves of, as as he's wont to do it's like our he is what at worst like I don't know is he the best CONCACAF player ever like I like, just go Oof. like individual like individual in terms of quality at his position, plus actual performance, plus achievements, I, I, I'm not. I I I'm just throwing it. I don't I don't know if I'd say that for sure, but it's kind of hard to argue against. I I mean, that's a broader conversation. May, I mean, maybe maybe I'd have to really dig into the archive. All time, like all time, is a strong strong clay you know what i mean i mean the, so, the other options are well I, and then like and i'm, I'm look, thinking we're too, we're too I'm, young i like i i but for my lifetime the other other options are what landon donovan clint dempsey you can say landon Dov, donovan clint dempsey um, i would say rafa marquez rafa um, marquez okay yeah yeah I, someone was, who played at a very uh, yeah at, at one of the highest levels yeah yeah that's, I, that's another I, great one i feel like my if my memory is serving me right Hugo Sanchez played for the Mexican national team in like the late eighties, I think, or the early nineties. And he also played for Real Madrid. That's the yeah, Mexico. I think, okay. Then that, that to me is probably, yeah. One of, I mean, one of the greatest fair players. Enough. But, okay. but, Kay- but Kaylor Navas is up there. Kaylor Navas is up there. Yeah. Hugo Sanchez. Yeah. Actually, Hugo Sanchez is a great, is a great one. I uh, played, I'm looking at his Wikipedia now, eight years for Real Madrid, 164 yeah. goals and 207 appearances. So yeah, okay. <laughs> that's probably, it's, it's, it's probably more likely him than uh, Navas, but um, may, maybe Navas top three at, at, Definitely. Maybe at worst, maybe top Definitely. three at worst. Yeah, I think that's completely fair, but Rian, the U.S. men's national team will continue to give us heart palpitations for the next 250 days. Um <laughs> before before we keel over um let's talk a little bit about the other kind of upsets and qualifications of 
the World Cup. I want to start with the most obvious one. Um, what if, if you're an Italian, right? <laughs> what <laughs> what do you say to help you sleep better at night over the last eight years? Like truly, this is a team that will not have seen likely Bonucci and Chiellini play in a World Cup game. Like that, that is crazy to me that over the last eight years that they have not been able to qualify. Um, what happened? <laughs> Do you want to start with the, the game against North Macedonia or really oh, led up I mean, to this point? Because I, I think it's more so to do with their game. <sighs> the game's leading up, I think, more, more game, so than the, Yes. I mean, now, the thing is, they were at home against Definitely. North Macedonia and, and didn't win. And, but real, and even, that's, even that's outside two, of two, that, yeah, like outside of that, they <laughs> the only game they won in qualify or in yeah in qualifying in their last I think five was against Lithuania I believe and yeah outside of that they drew three and lost to North Macedonia so they, yeah. yeah they kind of shot themselves in the foot <laughs> completely 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 shot themselves in the foot like <laughs> that. <laughs> The North Macedonia game is 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 kind of a complete freak result when you look at the stats from it. Thirty two yeah. shots to four, and all four of North Macedonia shots were outside the box, and the only goal they score was the furthest one from the one that was furthest away from the goal. Um, it that that one's kind of a, a freak result, a completely a freak result. But they couldn't get a win against Bulgaria. They couldn't get a win against Northern Ireland. Switzerland are a good team are, are genuinely a good team they couldn't get a win against them in either game um that's a very good team that always plays very well get, um in tournaments and knocked out France last summer um but the important note from those games is that Jorginho had a penalty saved and missed a penalty in both of those games that would have won those yep. games and yep. would have been enough to get them Ballon d'Or candidate for some reason. <laughs> not his started. fault. Not his what? fault. That I he mean, missed the penalties? No, no. I mean, not his fault that he <laughs> finished third in the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> but I, but I mean, you know, if you want to, if you want to lambast that, then you're right. We can all agree <laughs> the Ballon d'Or is yes. Is I'll, I'll go down that path. It's pointless <laughs> and and doesn't say anything about the quality of the player and who was actually the best player that 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 year. Um, <laughs> but as a team, like to only lose one, I think twice in their last 42 games is and and not make the World Cup. It's for a team that had the longest record. Uh, win streak yeah, record broke the record yeah in the world um to fall from grace after the euros like this you know what's you know score. what's interesting no they couldn't they couldn't score but here's here's what's interesting about this is i think there is something to be said about the way mancini set up this side against north macedonia i thought for me it was really interesting that ncna even started um and not, and not to say that <laughs> another option would have been better um i think it's went off for raspadori in that game um but it's is a player that you think about who's basically like checked out of european football and 
in some ways top level football. Not to say that like MLS is a bad league, just it's it is a step yeah. down. And he hasn't had a very good up. season for now. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. Arguably one of the worst players on the pitch that game, which is which actually is saying something because the whole team could like they could have scored, but generally speaking, just struggled. And Immobile as well did not have an amazing game. So to me, like this was just a culmination of multiple different individual players that I think we're seeing a changing of the guard, or we will say see a changing of the guard with. Um, and that I think came through and showed very prominently in, in this game. So yeah, yeah it's it's just sad. They've got I they've got an issue of their I mean not to bring everything back to the to the US, but like similarly to what to 2018, Italy have a very aging squad. They had one of the oldest right. squads at the Euros, right? And it's it's hard to see where the young talent is. And like even if you watch even if you watch some of um Serie A, like a lot of the best young players are not Italian. They're not right. Like, Absolutely and, not. And, and the only there's, there's only a couple that you can really think of for for Italy, right? Barella and, and, and Barella, that's about it. <laughs> and uh, and Chiesa, right? Who's who, Chiesa? Yes, yeah. They yeah, missed course. obviously dearly with with losing, um, tearing his ACL just a couple months ago. Uh, right. And if he plays, maybe that's. I I have a feeling if he plays in these in any of these last two months of games, like he probably probably get through, um, but outside of those two and and of course Donnarumma um and I think maybe Bastoni as well um there aren't really impact players that that are coming through that are going to take over that you can say okay well the next generation will be able to take this team to another height to, to new heights because if those options were there they would have been playing more over the last year or so right they've relied heavily on on you know players with huge experience and it's because they've had to it's because they're they're definitely definitely like like we even saw in the euros like their options off the bench were not anything spectacular right we it was we never said that they had the best squad in that tournament or even necessarily the best starting 11 they just they just did play the best of all the teams like that was that, and that's more of a tipping your cap to to mancini who has done a wonderful job coaching this team for the last four years um and yet do you we'll well, feel, I, well, we'll feel we, totally em, like you know empty-handed uh, of course not, even will. though they haven't even though they even though they won the euros but he's but you know this is a terrible way to go out but to, to again fall from grace that way is just so demoralizing. But I get I have to ask the question like if you actually think and we briefly had this conversation off the podcast. But do you actually think that he is going to stay on no. as Italy manager? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I, it's and I don't think it has very much to do with like the the lack of success in qualifying for the World Cup. I think it's more to do with the fact that he probably realizes this is as far as he's taken or he could take yeah, the team. Definitely. Definitely. And, and I, I think you, if you're a club that's looking for a manager in the summer, um, I think you'd be crazy to, to put any of this, to, to put any of what happened in the last month as a detriment to Roberto Mancini as a coach, because 100%. Like, I, I, I think he, 
will probably resign at some point between now and the summer. And he has his pick of clubs. He should have his pick of clubs, honestly. Like he's a great coach. He's there. There aren't a lot of fantastic coaches in international soccer. Like there's a reason why teams underperform so much, even when they have massive talent. Um, and he's one of the few right now that actually made his team better than than um the some of the parts were better than than what the actual parts were so that's a lot of credit to him um we'll see what happens with italy of course like there's there'll be huge changes of course like there's going to be huge changes Um, definitely who knows how high up they'll go but but there's going to be massive massive changes to this squad over the next year so um well we'll just just wait and see a change that I think is probably not welcomed by people we know and also just generally by us. Um, <laughs> a team that has become a mainstay in world football, in AFCON, and generally in our lives. Nigeria is not going to the World Cup. Um, fun fact, the last two times, I believe, or two of the last three times maybe that Nigeria has not gone to the World Cup, uh, Argentina won the World Cup, and I think that's a really funny juxtaposition between two teams that seemingly always play each other in the group stages of the World Cup. Um, so I'll just leave that there. But all right, Rian, Ghana is going to the World Cup, and Nigeria is not. Also, Does, Algeria. Also, Algeria are not going. Um, Cameroon is going, but there's something really unfortunate about Nigeria missing out in like a period where they are seemingly going through like a resurgence, not a resurgence. It's just a golden period. I would call. Yeah. How, I guess I'm trying to ask like how big of a failure is this, even though like deep down knowing that this, this is really bad. (laughs) It's, it's it's a, it's a huge failure. Of course. With the caveat being that qualifying from AFCON is really difficult. Very especially difficult. especially when it all comes down it pretty much all comes down to two games like at the end of it all like after your qualifying group stage periods you have two games and as we've talked about a lot knockout soccer is just it's a fucking coin flip basically <laughs> like it's it, really anything it, there, it could go any two way any uh way possible it's only two games and um if just three players have a bad game and and either of the two legs then you could be completely behind the eight ball um which nigeria kind of found themselves in um where like, i'm not a fan of having the away goals for for these but honestly after seeing the uh senegal and egypt match i i can actually it's okay to have away goals for this because when they're laser pointed <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting shine in your cornea then yeah you probably like multiple goals, yeah yeah then your goals probably should be worth a bit more that's fair enough um <laughs> but, but no you, you said it for nigeria like the fact that we don't get to see victor osaman play in the world cup yeah yeah um another person that was missed that was injured for a good portion of, of their qualifiers um, and was injured for the entirety, I think of AFCON as well, but he's so just a fun player to watch um, him. Plus 
like their their wingers, no Chukweze, no no Chukweze, um, yeah. There'll there be no Moses Moses Simon, no um, gosh, I'm probably missing someone else, but but no Ianacho as well, who who Indeedy. Has, no Indeedy, who was missing from these games because of injury, another huge miss yep. for them. Um, that they're just a lot of fun players on this team, and it's really uh, really tough that they didn't make it. Adamala Lookman, another one who who joined like right before these qualifiers, um, which is real, really sad for him, obviously, like getting to that position and, um, and being so close, but it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult one for Nigeria, of course. And, and uh, I, I think there's a lot of hope there again, they're, they're a very young squad and they'll have chances galore to, to rewrite this, but, yeah, it's it's a failure. No, no matter what, like I think they fired their fired their coach right before Afcon, <laughs> and and um, have been pretty much in a hole the entire the entirety of uh, these last four months. So it's 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 really disappointing, especially because they were at home for that second leg as well. Um, and I mean, the goal that they conceded, the Ghana goal, was just terrible goalkeeping. Like it shot right at him. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, so um yeah, between them and, and Algeria is a big miss too, especially the way they went out. I mean, scoring in stoppage time of extra time, <laughs> then Cameroon scoring like yeah. a minute and a half later. It, it's it's a tough one. So, you know, no Riyad Mahrez as well at, at the World Cup. And um yeah, tough for them. And and you know, got poor one out for Egypt and Mohammed Salah as well. But I'm gonna be honest. I wanted no part of watching that Egyptian <laughs> play another fucking game. Yeah, I, like oh my gosh, they were just such an eyesore to watch. Just from like a, a almost like the beauty of football for what it is. Yeah, I feel like in a lot of ways it was Salah and friends, and that was basically the definition of even how they played during Afcon, like during the final. Like Terrible. it was. <laughs> not entertaining unfortunately um Suffer sorry ball, any egyptian as some, fans as some people Suffer like ball. <laughs> wow that's really funny <laughs> i've i've actually not heard that <laughs> that's the thing people say people say on football twitter yeah su- suffer ball oh my goodness well There's yeah they will not be able to talk about like uh um Diego Simeone, of course, as well. Suffer ball. <laughs> uh, that is a totally different version. That actually has <laughs> that has an end goal in mind. But anyway, um, beyond, beyond Nigeria, um, we have to also briefly mention, I believe, in just the entirety of South America, two team, three teams that really stand out to me that are not go. Two teams that are not going. One that um, is. Peru will be going to the World Cup. Um, qualifying, right? Qualifying, qual- oh, right. they will be going to qualifying. Um, shortly coming up, only two points short of, yeah. of the actual qualification. Um, but Colombia and Chile are not going. Two teams that I really don't understand how Chile have done what they did during the 2010s and winning as many <laughs> Copa Americas as they did um, and seemingly getting to this point where they can't even get remotely close to qualifying but i'm actually very very happy to see or i'm very sad to see uh colombia not make it to the world cup 
uh, I just, you know how much I, or how highly I think of Luis Diaz. And I said this oh, yeah. during the Copa America last year, like I'm particularly devastated for him. Um, but that I don't think that the four teams going don't deserve to go at the same time. Yeah. So I, I'm not like overly torn up about the entire thing. Just it is, it is sad to see a team that has become a mainstay, obviously hit the, I mean, completely took our breaths away um, in 2014. Thomas um, Rodriguez leading that charge. And I believe they were there in 2018. Am I playing? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, think so. I think they were. And maybe um, Peru can become the new Colombia. Yeah. Even though the, yeah. I think they're, I think they're actually ranked higher than Colombia now. Maybe. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, I mean, huge, huge for Peru. Obviously, who haven't, who at least weren't in the last three World Cups. I, no. I'd have to check. I'd have to really check to see the last time that they were, they made it to the World Cup. Um, but they have their playoff against, I, don't remember. I need to. I need to figure that out. I think they're playing. I want to say New Zealand or or uh, one of the Oceania countries. Um, but either way, I, I, I excited to see a, just a new country in the in, in the World Cup as well. Um, Can I actually just like briefly yeah. make a comment on that? Like, we don't know every player and every team very well going to the world cup. It's, I think it's literally impossible to know that, but part of the excitement of the world cup is in fact that like to me, at least it's, it's discovering new players. It's discovering new teams that I likely would not have been able to see. Like there's a real beauty in just seeing new things like that. And I feel like some people are always like, Oh, why can't like the big countries are like the main players and whatnot, like always go like, you know, obviously we're talking about um, teams like Italy that are not going, et cetera. But like there is a team that is taking Italy's place, right. In some ways in this, um, I don't know if you can directly call it Poland, but in general, like it, that's exciting to me. And that's, that's, that's very fun. I just wanted to share that. Cause like, I feel like that's part of the, meritocracy i guess of the world cup itself yeah yeah of course and and, and uh just to fact check we're wrong they peru were in were there in 2018 but that was their first oh they were in the in the per- group with france right yeah that yeah. was their first appearance yeah. since 1982 so t- to potentially make it to two straight after not making it to one in um <laughs> like for 30 almost 40 years yeah that's yeah. huge credit to to um to them so Definitely looking forward to them making it. Um, it's I as it gets closer, we're obviously going to be inundated with more of this bullshit from FIFA themselves, <laughs> and we've already it's already begun with what Johnny Infantino was saying at the FIFA like Congress, I think it was earlier today. He tried to get a FIFA chant going in the... <laughs> oh, God. I actually missed that. I saw everything he said. I did not, I did not see the chant. Good he God. tried to get a FIFA chant going. Just bizarre. And then, and then... <laughs> it's a cult, man. It's a cult. When you reach that <laughs> level, it's... Yeah. And then started co- comparing FIFA and, I guess, football in general to to nelson mandela and, and mahatma gandhi in terms of the healing power that it could have oh 
I mean, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be nasty over the next, like the, the journalistic side of this and the, what is already being said, I think the the Qatar World Cup executive calling out Garrett Southgate for speaking on the human rights abuse issues that are going on in Qatar. His response was, uh, he should speak carefully when he says something like that, you know, um, yeah, very normal. A normal thing for any executive of the World Cup to say uh, you know, a, a, very, a disguised threat to one of the coaches of the teams that will be in the World Cup. Um, it, that part of it's going to be pretty nasty. That's, that's going to be really unsavory. And it'll be really interesting to see how, or if is the better word, any of it is discussed at all during the World Cup. Um, during the presentations I suspect probably not but um, <laughs> probably probably being the probably keyword. not yeah, yeah. probably not uh, but look, all, all we're, gonna, we're gonna have to just kind of try to enjoy it and 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 it, and it, it should be a great World Cup and, and World Cups are awesome and especially weird timing that it will be during the winter but at the same time it'll be kind of awesome to have soccer going on during like thanksgiving and um right before christmas so well let's let's just point it out there while it is all awesome uh i don't think any of us are fans about where this is being held Um, absolutely not and i i've actually like gone back and forth on the difficulty of like dealing with how i will be watching this um i think it's I think I go back and forth on it, but I just, I'm going to very reluctantly watch parts of it just for the spectacle that is the world cup and for the sanctity and the integrity of it. Um, but there is just so, so, so much wrong with, with the s- sport and also just the level of corruption that's involved with it, which is really a shame. Um, I don't have a perfect solution, quite frankly. I just don't, cause I don't think one exists, but if you don't mind me segueing, Rian, to the last thing, at least, I wanted to talk about, um, which is women's football. Not a topic that we talk about a lot on the podcast, but in some ways, I really hope that we do talk more about it because there's some pretty notable things to talk about when it comes to the, the women's game. And the most notable one of, re- of late, recently, being the Barcelona women's team, Barce- Barcelona Femini, um, playing Real Madrid in the quarterfinals of the Champions League at a packed Camp Nou for the first time ever and breaking the world record for attendance at a women's game, which is so incredibly remarkable. And obviously, if you don't know much about the women's game, Barca Femini are basically the juggernauts of European football. Um, they have taken scored- over from Lyon. Taking over from Leon, who yeah. knocked them out of the Champions League uh, two years ago uh, before Barcelona last year went on to win their very first Champions League. And <laughs> the crazy part with this team is that they have scored like 130 plus goals in the league and conceded 16, I believe. And that's a that's like that's a real stat. Like that's not fake. This is a team that has dominated European football over the last few years. And to do what they did, not only to Real Madrid, right, at home, et cetera, but to put on, like, such a a performance and a spectacle in front of 91,000 people, 
in some ways, like to me, Rian was a reminder of how beautiful this game is. And in I watched, I watched like 90% of this game. And honestly, I haven't seen energy like that in the Camp Nou in years. Like that goes for the men's team, the women's team, everything. Like I have not seen it that electric. The last time that I can remember it being that electric was when I was literally there in 2017 against PSG when they won 6-1. That is the last time. Like that's what it felt like. And in some ways to me, like it was a reminder of what the old, I don't want to call it like the old world of football, but like this pre-commercial you know lack of marketing slash branding and commercialism that existed probably in like the late 2000s early 2010s even to the point where football was more about the football and the connection with the fan base than it was with a brand right like for example psg i don't know if like people have noticed this have shrunken or gotten rid of like the saint germain part of their logo and they've made it like Paris because they want to be associated with Paris, obviously. Uh, Manchester City have changed their logo recently, right? Like to, to be more of a brand, an icon rather than like a, a symbol. And I mean, Manchester reason, United, that's their whole. That's, Manchester United, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's just in their whole. That is, that's called, that's just called the Glazers. Do. I feel like it's yes. not even. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not even like an image thing. But anyway, like long story short, this game was really a reminder of all those moments of like how special football can be. That's, that's all I wanted to say. It was the, the scenes were amazing. Like really like the playing under the lights in the first place, like champions league nights. I've watched, um, I watched a lot of Chelsea women's champions league games last season. And they were almost all like in the afternoon, like during the daytime, like local time for them. Um, very rarely actually playing at night. I think maybe this season was the f- was the first time where the women's Champions League games were mostly um, night games because Chelsea's women didn't make it out of their group, but their their group games were at night. And then we've seen this with um, Barcelona or not? Yeah, Barcelona and, and Real Madrid, and then I think PSG or not? Yeah, PSG played Bayern Munich yesterday um and then today leon were playing i can't remember who leon were playing but all three night games just like any champions league right for the men's um and that's how it should be like there's no reason that they should be playing like at four at like three or four p.m during the day when play people can't go and actually watch them play like that, that didn't make any sense so Really, really happy to see like this huge development. Alex, what was the attendance for for the game? I know it was over like ninety one thousand something. It was. It was. I, I'm blanking on the exact number, but I believe it was ninety one thousand five hundred fifty three. Yes, ninety one thousand five hundred fifty three. So, again, that that world record very well. Funny enough, funnily enough, might get broken in a couple of weeks because the women's team are going to be doing this all over again at the camp new for the semifinals of the champions league. Um, so that is very, very exciting. Yeah. And I, and I hope, and obviously we hope it does. And, and also I think we saw Arsenal today played Wolfsburg in the Emirates. Awesome. Like, I, like, yeah. I, I think there's no reason that they shouldn't, if they're going to be part of the same, you know, system, club as the men's like there's no reason they shouldn't also be playing in the men's stadium 
especially if it's a champions league, I, I can get it Definitely. weekends, weekends, they, their games to coincide normally, but um, yeah, no reason why they couldn't play during the week as well. So um, great to see, really great to see. And we, I think the euros are this summer in England um, for the women's euros are, are, are this summer in England. And that's a, another one that hopefully grows the game even more um, for sure. And I know that, look we're gonna be watching it so i I, i'm excited i'm really excited (laughs) especially because the the women's game is outside of the u.s specifically the european game has grown a lot in the last five years i feel like um you really felt it in that last women's world cup when the u.s were really getting pushed by those european teams uh thinking of the the game against england specifically um it's exciting it's exciting to see that that the rest of the countries are catching up yeah. um, especially in Europe like all it was going to take for the European women's side to grow was just people giving a shit yeah, like, yeah we that's know what, that the that was literally there. it that's all that matters yeah. that people gave a shit and now they are and it's and it's great to watch and the way to do that right is to make people aware of how big an event actually is that's it that's all there is to it and they <laughs> granted these clubs have actually done a pretty good job of doing that in the last five years. So I hope, I hope honestly continues to grow. Cause also it's like very entertaining to watch. <laughs> so I I'm very excited for, for the rest of the league, obviously, which Barcelona will likely win. And then the rest of the champions league, which they're favorites, but I think to probably make an argument that PSG, their, their women's team is making a push. Um, I hate everything PSG. So I don't care if it's men's women's basketball i i don't want them anywhere near he hates soccer. equally so i hate i hate equally yeah it's equal opportunity hate <laughs> uh, anyway rian is there anything else that we should talk about anything else that comes up have chelsea been sold yet no <laughs> no no we i think we've got probably closer to the end of the month for that sale to to go through but they i believe in a week or two at the final um bids will go in after the i think four four consortiums were shortlisted so we'll we'll see with that but um now we've got the leagues coming back this weekend and one week from this weekend we have the big showdown in england we do liverpool and city you know both title decider potentially we'll see but potentially i don't know if we're there yet but but they both also have Champions League games before that. Mm-hmm. Champions League comes back uh, in a little less than a week now. And I guess my big game of the weekend is Barcelona-Sevilla. That's that's what I'm going to be watching. Oh, yeah. um, outside of that, yeah, the big showdown in England the weekend after, which can we watch that? Or are you going to run away? Well, okay. All right. Let's see. Hopefully, like, <laughs> no, I don't know if I'll be able to run. I don't know. If no, you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll see enough. how my leg's doing. Um. Yeah. No, no. We got exciting stuff coming up the next couple of weeks. So we're in the home stretch now. We're, or as one might say, we're in the end game now. Really for for the titles. So you should uh, you should talk to Kevin Feige about being in any of his Marvel movies. <laughs> See what he yeah, has to say. Try not to get sued for saying that line. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could say the line, and then you just have to run. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back next week after the weekend's games, talking a little bit about that, maybe some of the Champions League. 
and uh, we will talk to you guys all soon. Thanks, guys.